Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. Guys, we have to remember how to do this now. It's been two weeks since our last show. As you can tell from my voice, I'm a little stuffed up. I have the lozenges, the Gatorade, the tea, the water, the filthy uh, handkerchief down here. But, you know, I apologize. We had people tweeting us today. Guys, where's the episode? Where's the episode? Uh, it, it was my fault. The sickness has been going through my family a little, just a little head cold, nothing crazy. But you both know if I get like a hangnail, oh my God, it's the end of the world. It's like, it's like catastrophic. So for me, like my wife, she's still doing everything sick. But me, I'm like, no, I got to lay down, hon. You don't know what this is like. <laughs> but we are back live tonight. Uh, quick note before I throw it over to Dan and Mitch. Throughout the rest of the season, just due to scheduling, we are going to be live every two weeks now, just throughout the season. And then once the season comes to an end, we will be throwing a new episode at you every single week, just like we have been typically. Um, but just, you know, work, being busy, things picking up. Uh, Mitch going to karate classes over there. You know, there's a lot going on. Anyway, with that said, I'm joined by Dan Lamagna. At FF Coach Dan, what's up, Dan? Buddy, inspired by your story tonight, you know, I, I think it's a guy thing. You know, it's like we're sick during the day. I got to take a nap. I need rest. But there's time for the football podcast. And, you know, the Dynasty Theory, Michael Jordan, Flu Spirit, you've got it tonight, man. Sporting the Gatorade. They better be watching. And, uh, you know, I, personally, I'm recovering, guys, after that week seven there uh, between the bye week carnage and uh, the Sam Darnold, like, uh, 0.44 performance on a lot of my rosters. I lost my last undefeated dynasty team. That stung a little bit. I like to keep at least one going late, but uh, I think I anticipated it. You know, when you have Dak Prescott and Josh Allen off in the same week, it's you're, you're going to have some some lumps. So week eight's coming up. We got a lot of players to talk about tonight. I'm excited. And of course, we're joined by the hunting champion himself. I know people were giving you a hard time on Twitter, Mitch. It no, happens. The, the deep burning questions. Why do you never get anything when you're hunting? But we are joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DynoMC on Twitter. The failed hunter. What's going on? I don't even know what to say now. I mean, like hunting's hard. Like people don't understand. Like it's difficult out there. But I will just say this. Going into last week's setting lineups was horrible. Like I didn't enjoy that process at all. Today I went through all my lineups. And it took me like a third of the amount of time comes like, oh, he's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. If we get Saquon, I'll be really, really happy. But I, that still sounds pretty iffy. Yeah, there's still a few question marks, but we did get the news about George Kittle. Hopefully he's back week nine. So fingers crossed. I know we have a lot of shares of George Kittle still creeping yes. around. Now for tonight's episode, I honestly didn't know where we wanted to go with this. We kind of spitballed a little bit behind the scenes, but I was sitting there thinking about my different teams and I shared with the people in our discord, my spreadsheet, it's all color coded. And then it also has, and I put this out on Twitter, the types of teams that I have in terms of, okay, this is a competing team, maybe not necessarily a contender contender, but it's competing. I have future picks or I'm competing. I don't have future picks. 
not competing future pay, blah, blah, you know, blah, 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 and then total rebuild. So I'm sitting there going through my leagues, trying to come up with moves that I can make for each of those teams and something that makes sense for each situation. And I'm thinking to myself about the different types of managers. And no, this is not like back of the super flexology days. And I have the, the shirt on right here where Mitch and I went through the league personalities, but more so, even though Mitch, you enjoyed that, I think. That was a great, I love that episode so much. Dan refuses to do it. He doesn't want to upset anybody or burn any bridges. Uh, I'm rocking the Dynasty Theory swag here tonight here. No burning bridges. (laughs) So I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay. And guys, jump in, correct me, you know, or, or add some additional insight. But the different types of managers, seven weeks into the season, I'm seeing... And of course, I had to have alliteration for every single one of them. Of I do like the last one. It's, it's very yeah. good. It's strong. So, so the championship chaser. We don't care about value. We're getting that title. If we have to overpay for an asset to help us win now, that's the route we're going to go. And you see a lot of people in your chats on a daily basis. Hey, I have these future picks. Hey, I have the Dobbins, Acres, ETN, Juju, whoever. And that kind of describes a lot of my teams, actually. But I, I'm making a push. So I will overpay in terms of overall value to make that push this year. Then you have the value vulture coming up with these alliteration. You know, it was, uh, it was challenging at times, but I don't care if I'm making a push. I need the value to be right in every single trade. I'm in constant negotiations with one gentleman and we're going back and forth and he wants Matthew Stafford and it's going to help him tremendously this year. You better believe I'm trying to get a little bit extra. We just can't get it done. We can't get it done because of that, because the value isn't right. And then, Mitch, you said your favorite, the Harry Houdini. They're not around. You wouldn't even know they were in the league. They set the rosters, but they are not involved or engaged at all. You know they're not going to be a a valid trade partner. Um, You know, It's somebody that you see their name, and you're like, wait, you were in this league? Dan, you're in this league? What's going on? So looking at that, what are your thoughts overall? If Mitch, if you had to lump yourself into one of the first two categories, because despite our efforts, we can't get rid of you. You never disappear. I'd like so, to disappear. Is that possible? Now nah, you're stuck with us. Championship chaser value vulture. I want you to, if, if you had to be one or the other, yeah. and then maybe a few ways that you vary league to league and how your roster and your your league mates and your standings really come into play to shape up how you look at that and approach it. I think anyone who knows me knows I am not a value vulture. I'm not someone who wants to win every single trade, has to get the proper value on every trade. If I like a player and the trade's close, I'm doing that trade. And like a lot of my teams, I'm trying to get them to contend or they're awful. They're really, I was looking today and i don't have a lot of like two and is it two and five or two and six now two and five two and five teams because like i just didn't build my teams that way so i have a lot of teams that are completely horrible out of my 50 dynasty leagues i have two that like i completely was wrong on but they're awful anyways now so i think john pretty sure i'm co-managing with you we haven't won a game in that league and it's not like the roster is that bad it's just not that good. That's it's kind of the issue with it. Whenever I posted on Twitter in the breakdown, somebody asked, and I tried to get out ahead of it, but somebody still asked. They said, JB, what's the difference between not competing with picks or rebuild? And I said, the way I'm describing it, rebuild 
it was it was kind of intentional almost. That's the route I was going, or it was an unsuccessful team that I was successfully able to transition into future assets, injured players who I believe's value is going to rise. And the other situation, just like you described, Mitch, something went terribly wrong. I thought I was going to contend, and now I'm one in six. And I'm like, what the heck happened? So I, I completely agree, Mitch. You are, I would say, championship focused. All you see is green. You see the, the money. You see the dollar signs. I want signs. the money. Dan, is it safe to say you kind of gravitate towards that description as well? I like to say I'm driving a hybrid right now. Um, and for, I love this exercise. It's a very fun activity here, JB. And and I, I got to give you credit. I saw that nice, pretty color-coded chart you shared on social media there. And and I think you listen to your family more growing up than I did because you share so nice where like I have this top secret, uh, double secret probation chart that I only take to home league drafts and they call me chartsy. But uh, you had me looking at mine and, and you broke yours down to like even like five categories there. There was like contender non-contender within without picks and i was like wow man he's really getting into this so i so i went and looked at my rosters here and you know not quite as ambitious as you are but you know i've got about four teams that are, are six and one there but i'm being very cautious not to be that championship chaser team and then i've got two teams that are totally tanking right now and then everything else is in the middle it's like they could go either way some i might be a little overly optimistic than i probably should be um, so I'm, I lean a little towards actually the value vulture, John. I'm like, I'm afraid of like the, the years past of trading like Alvin Kamara for Chris Carson and Mark Ingram. I, I, I don't want to relive history. So I, I'm a little more well calculated to be that championship chaser than I once was, you know? Well, hopefully you guys don't lose me here. Am I still coming through? You're good, Jordan. I oh, man, the sweat, the sweat actually is coming out. Uh, the uh, the old pores a little bit, but I was trying to share my screen here and show folks that are watching on YouTube the spreadsheet that Dan had mentioned. And really, you know, it's pretty. It took a lot of time. It, it looks pretty, but breaking it down. And I, I think it is important. And I, I have the notes here. Being a successful dynasty manager is all about balancing those two, right? You don't strictly want it. Well, I got to win every trade. I have to be on top of my, my uh, value chart says this. Well, that's great. Like you say, Mitch, you win the, the value championship, but I want to win the money. Yeah. And then there's the people that strictly look for those championships that are completely blind to the future. They don't care about values. Yeah. You want me to throw an extra first on top just to get my guy? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And that's the people that I try to run into whenever I am. You need Not to talk contending. to those people really quickly because within a couple of years, you're going to be talking to somebody else who has that team. It's usually how that goes. You think there's going to be a lot of orphans? Oh, there's going to be so many orphans. That or people just decided that the best way to play Dynasty is to not be active at all. And if that's the case, I'm really sad, but I really think there's going to be, it's going to be bad this year. You might lose me here for a second. It's, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm you're not sharing here. anything. Just a heads up. No, I'm not, but because it was like grayed out, it wouldn't let me. But I think I'm I'm good here, so I'm not going to share anything. Just when I gave him credit for sharing, too. I know. No, right? I know. All right, so there is a point behind this episode. So I wanted to kind of build the foundation <laughs> to get into certain players. And first of all, I don't know if you guys saw this, but and Mitch, you saw it because you had a tweet about it. But we're at the point now of the season. It happens during the off season, but now it happens during the season. Apparently, 
that we're just arguing. I say we as the collective we. Uh, well, I invented zero running back in 2011. Oh <laughs> I, I, I don't want to curse because I don't want Dan to reprimand me here, but there's a few words I would like to share, but I won't. I won't. I'll keep it family friendly. But that's where we are as a fantasy football society. Who cares? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm navigating through my spreadsheets on a daily basis. I'm going through my leagues on a daily basis. We live in our Discord on a daily basis. And then I log on Twitter and I am reminded very quickly why I've gotten off of there to an extent. You know, uh, the, the victory laps. I thought Kyle Pitts was going to be good. So that no crap. Like, I don't know. Anyway, the, so the, the point of me bringing up Twitter, it's just the, the cold coming out, I guess. It's, the, it's, it, it's being released right now. But Getting spicy. Yeah, there, so the there point, is an awful lot of reactions on Twitter without context. I mean, like no totally. That, that that's the frustrating piece there. So I give the analysts out there that are putting context behind their takes. And it's always like, oh, I said to sell this guy, okay, but for what? I said to buy this guy, okay, for what? And then Packy says Discord drama is greater than Twitter drama. We don't give drama. No, we're entertaining. It's not drama. It's that's entertainment. It. Yeah, there, there's some bickering, but anyway. So again, there is a point behind this episode. I brought up Twitter. Because there are players that are just talked about over and over and over again. And they are the hot button topics. And those are the ones that get traction. Those are the ones that get clicks. And I wanted to talk about players that essentially have a a questionable value beyond 2021. But they're assets that we need to look at now. Because if you're a contender, it's a piece that is of significant value. But also, if you're not... It's a piece that if you chose to move now, it's a nice cash out window. So Dan, the way you framed it, and again, uh, we put these notes together essentially over the last two weeks because we canceled last week's episode because uh, FF coach Dan was feeling under the weather. He couldn't, he couldn't produce under the weather the way I am right now. I want you all to know that. See, I'm a Lakers fan. There's, there's no Michael Jordan moments here, (laughs) JB. So it's all you, it's all you with the Jordan effort tonight. But I think last week we all were like, yeah, that's okay, Dan. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll hold off. But anyway, so you said, I'm getting sidetracked left and right here. People are going to listen to this and be like, what is he? It's the day quill, I swear. It really hit me hard today. So, Dan, you said, I want to, like, pretenders are contenders essentially. So, like, like I described assets that beyond 2021, is it a a guy that really is going to help you? Is it just for this year? Is it a complete mirage and they've had a strong first half? but they're going to fizzle off. So who's the guy for you that you just really, maybe you're questioning their value or it's a guy that you feel very strongly about one way or the other here. So I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be very forthcoming here, JB. I told Mitch before you hopped on the pre-show here, man, I'm going strictly off your notes tonight because they're very thorough as you often do. You gave us not one name, but like 20 some names here. And he said, we don't have to talk about all of them. It was just an, a list. And he gave a good list. So I've got some good opinions based off of your list here. Okay. And, and opinions backed up by film study and research and, and 8 million <laughs> dynasty DFS and uh, redraft leagues. But the court, let's, let's start with the quarterback position here. I am really calculating the quarterback position more than any, you know, as much as I said, I was being patient, not championship chaser there as we broke down the categories, you know, I've made my share of trades over the course of, uh, seven weeks, but the quarterback position, it's still as intriguing to me as it was 
in the off season. We had so many questions and I feel like we're still figuring it out, you know, going into the Deshaun Watson trade rumors this week that puts like three, at least three teams up in limbo, even though the coaches are being a little more bold in their statements in the last 24 hours here. Um, but, you know, you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts and, you know, the Eagles are anyone's guess between the Watson news, between all the rookie picks they have, between an element of team dysfunction that I think still does exist there. Uh, you know, you have a coach that's really learning on the job right now. I don't know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. He's putting up great fantasy numbers that I'm, I'm enjoying where I have him. Um, he's kind of been consistent, but, I, but it leaves me with a lot of question marks. So I feel like I'm rolling the dice on that. And that's where I would be more calculated and patient and see if this could play out a little bit before I jump to a decision on Jalen Hurts. Whereas a guy like Tom Brady, who you mentioned, I'm like, bye. He's a 2022 lock for me. And if I have a lock for next season, I'm feeling pretty good, especially that's at quarterback. The, I agree. And that's the way I've approached it with Tom Brady and based on his price to acquire, whether it was a startup during the offseason or as this season has progressed, he's been a guy that for the last several years, I mean, heck, the last five, six, seven years, he might have one more year left. He might have one more year left. But the level of play that he has shown and the way that Tampa Bay team has really kept things together, bringing back all 22 starters from just a year ago, the Super Bowl year, you know, I, I I would be shocked if he's not back for 2022. But at the top of the list, Jalen Hurts. It's somebody that everybody's talking about. Everybody has an opinion on. Everybody, you know what? It's not even an opinion. I think everybody believes they are truly right when it comes to Jalen Hurts. My stance has not changed since July. If you go back to our episode, July, August, it, we talked about Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, even though that's cleared up a little bit, at least for 2021, Deshaun Watson. We are still having Deshaun Watson news, well, news, and I use that term loosely, thrown at us on a daily basis. But Mitch, speak some facts here. Oh, speak no. some truths. Tell our listeners about Jalen Hurts. From a value perspective, from a future per, per, uh, perspective, what should they be expecting? But guess what? Whatever you say, it doesn't matter because people's opinions are made up. Their mind is made up. But I want you to speak truths anyway, so we can go back to this and say, Mitch told you. That's Again, right. he told you. And I will be saying it. So Jalen Hurts so far has been exactly what we all said he would be. He's amazing in fantasy. The Eagles are not a good team. And it's already looking like there's already talk that Mitch is going to start. It's not just from one beat reporter. It's from multiple beat reporters now. I don't think Mitch should start. I think Jalen Hurts should start for the rest of the season. But they're already bringing it up, and it's going into week eight. The odds are Jalen Hurts probably isn't going to start every game this year. If he's not starting every game this year, you can't count on him for 2022. So if you want to go out and you want to get him, you're still having to pay a really good price for him. And the topic that's been brought up so much in the Discord is Tua or Hurts. And at this point, I, I'm not even a Tua fan. But I have to pick Tua. Because I have, from everything we've heard from Miami, outside of the little clickbait, hey, they're still interested. But everything from Miami has said, Tua is our quarterback. It's that John McClain character. It's him with the, hey, I got I got inside information. This is happening. That's what he said a week ago, and then it came out again today. Come on, John. Dude, I honestly like, think it's the Houston Texans saying, spreading the news, 
and that's how it's getting out. Or it's Watson's agent. I don't think any of this is coming from the Dolphins. It's coming from the Panthers. It's coming from anywhere else. It's coming solely from Houston because they're the only ones that would have reasons to talk about it. Why would Miami come out and say, yeah, we're the front runners for the Watson discussion? Right. And that's what you wonder if they're downplaying it, if there is interest. But when I watch both of those situations, you know, so we bring up Minshew. To me, that's a little bit of that Eagles dysfunction. You know, it's a new coaching staff this year. So is that ownership tampering there with, you know, the coach's groceries and saying, hey, we want you to shop over there and play Mr. Minshew this week. Where in Miami, you know how high I was on two in Miami going into the season. Miami's underachieved. Their old line's just still, still a train wreck. But I feel good about Tua going into next year. Do I feel great like he's going to be a top 10 potential, top 12, 15, like we talked about? No, I don't I don't have that warm and fuzzy feeling anymore. But I think he could be a middle-of-the-road, solid quarterback. He's shown some good stuff. He needs to make some better decisions. But, man, the guy's just trying to get the ball out of his hands quick and uh, make some things happen on, on a weak offense right now. But I really do feel he's secure for, for some years ahead. And I'm kind of in the middle because initially – Dan, you were all aboard the two hype train and Mitch, you wanted nothing to do with him throughout the off season. You were very adamant, adamant, adamant. There we go. The cough drops. I swear they're like making my lips sticky. Words aren't coming out, but you were very adamant and you had some trades that you uh, made. And Dan and I were like, I don't know about that. But at this point, like I said, I'm kind of in the middle, I think, because yeah, there's a little bit of concern because of everything going on. And you watch the game last week, especially that one interception. It's like, Tua, what are you doing? But I think if I was in that situation, of course, I'm a world-class athlete just like Tua. Why is it always you that's in these situations? That's what I want to know. It's fun I, putting John I, in those situations. I, listen, I need to have I, I need to have like a, a sitcom where I just put myself as these elite athletes because I, I think it would do really well. You have one every Tuesday night. Pretty much, pretty yeah. It is very comical <laughs> our takes. I can say that, but your your job is on the line every single time you step on that field. Or let's say I'm not a world class athlete. That's kind of crazy to think. I know that I'm not, but I'm going to the office and the hey hey boss. And I said this in the Discord. Hey boss, you know I'm your, I'm your guy still, right? Yeah, yeah. Today you are. Yeah, but what about next year? No, no. no today you are, and it's like like that. Then you try to pick it up. You try to force it. And and then I have that interception where I'm just flailing the ball. Uh, hey, JB, that spreadsheet, the, the, the some of your columns were off. What's going on with these formulas? That's my wild interception. So, of course, it's a great analogy, but I just think he is in a lose-lose situation right now. If he goes out and performs against some of these teams that he should be, oh, well, he should be doing it. But then if he struggles at all, see, I told you, he's not the guy. But I, I don't know. The, the Deshaun Watson situation is a wild one. We talk about it every day in our Discord, and I cannot wait until at least the trade deadline for a little bit of relief there. I do look forward to that relief. And just one last thought on Tua. And he's a guy that I believe, if I'm not if my memory serves me right, as we enter the season, he was moving up in your projections. You know, Miami yeah. was moving up your projections. And I think that's where we talk about, you know, seeing these Twitter takes on Tua and not having context around them. You know, those early season projections, I think they accounted for healthy Devontae Parker. Healthy you know, a, a healthy Will Fuller, an offensive line that wasn't just horrible. 
So a, def- this- a defense also that wasn't giving up 30 points a game. Yeah, where did the Miami defense the go? Yeah. I mean, so so like all those things come in, and he's he's trying to keep up with the defense being terrible. He's trying to, you know, make throws with only a little bit of time with you know, Albert Wilson as one of your receivers. And I, I finally cut him today. I've had enough of Albert Wilson as my deep ocean bottom players on the rosters. But so I think you got to put all that into context. And then when you watch these full games, Again, there is those one or two mistakes. He's got to be a little bit better on decision-making. But I feel like that's being very picky for a guy with all those things going against them. Like, they are doing nothing in Miami to put him in a good position from the support of ownership, as you're describing, all the way to the injuries and the O-line and the defense. You're asking him to be Superman. Well, you know, the most successful offenses in history have had two offensive coordinators like, what is that about? Like, you you go in and you, clearly, like, I again, I could go back to my peewee football days. That's the extent of my history on the gridiron. But, like, Miles Gaskin is far and away your best running back. What the heck are you guys doing with Plotter Brown over there? And you know me, I, I liked Malcolm Brown a few years ago. So that really says a lot that I'm turning on him. But, uh, you know, I, I, I. I all of that said with Tua, going back to Jalen Hurts very quickly, I talked about my stance on him months ago. It was not, it was never anti-Jalen Hurts. It was anti-Eagles. We thought they were going to have a rough season. It's been rough to start, two and five. And with the amount of draft picks they have, the future is still not clear. And yeah, while we are down on that 2022 quarterback class, if they have the number one overall pick, number two pick, I mean, number one pick is probably going to be that edge rusher, right? Um <laughs> Oh my God. uh, Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you get the number two pick, the three pick. I've seen mocks where Detroit's passing on quarterback, maybe, you know, so there's still a lot of uncertainty. So if you have your, your crack at the first quarterback and you're the Eagles, I think they would have to seriously consider it. And like you said, Mitch, there's already rumors swirling from multiple beat reporters. Maybe they see what they have, not necessarily see what they have in Minshew, but see maybe if it was Jalen Hurts or the offense or the coaching or whatever the case may be. But all of that, Jalen Hurts, you know, I could have just said, I'm out on him in the future. That that's that's all mm, I'm saying. It up. Yeah. Like uh, and then Mitch, one last quarterback, Matt Ryan I had on here, but I don't know. Uh, well, let's skip ahead. There's someone that I really want to talk about that I think is really fun. It's Daryl Henderson. The reason why I want to skip ahead to him. Can no, you no. quarterback? I, I, I thought we were going to wrap I up quarterbacks. I'm man. skipping ahead. <laughs> so the reason why I'm skipping ahead is because I think it's just as good of a discussion as Jalen Hurts. Um, if you watch McVay talk about Akers maybe coming back for the playoffs, you could see how excited McVay is to get Akers back. And it makes you want, because Daryl Henderson, I loved him coming into the season. I started liking Akers a little bit more. But Henderson is amazing in pass pro right now to where he wasn't in past seasons. Now he's doing exactly what he needs to do. I don't know if I could still count on acres getting that full role, but at the same time you see McVay talk about acres and all of a sudden he's like, God is coming back to our team. And it's like, it has me thinking that even if I really, really like Daryl Henderson and I like what I see, what he's doing on the field, <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was reading the note. Sorry, my bad. That's a good I, one to put up. Those listening on the feed, a comment in the chat from our buddy Owen. Now we know why Mitch never gets anything while hunting. Patience, Mitch. No patience. patience. Never heard of it. Yeah, I don't have any patience at all in anything in life. But with Daryl Henderson, 
I don't think I can go out and get him, even though I think he's in one of the best situations that a running back can be in this year in that Rams offense. I still have zero faith that McVay is going to give him more than eight touches a game if there's a healthy Akers. And you're going to have to pay a really good price to get Henderson now. I would be shocked if you could do it for a late first. I bet it's up to a mid first now. And if you're paying that price, you better hope you get 2022 production out of that. Because if you're doing it just for this next six games, I I think that's really, really bad dynasty managing. At that point, we've talked about this gentleman several times. I know, Dan, your ears perk up. But for the production and, I mean, the level of uncertainty in 2022 and beyond, who is no more risky than Daryl Henderson, Leonard Fournette. Go out pay less to acquire him. That's a name that pops up. So essentially with tonight's episode, we were thinking of names that really are coming up constantly in our trade discussions with folks in the discord and Daryl Henderson. Like what is the, Oh my gosh, what is the thing called? And we even made one uh, a while back. And I say, we, I made one on the Instagram and it's like a plot of the words and the ones that come up most often or the biggest somebody has to know what that is and it's slipping my mind right now um but you know daryl henderson cam Akers. i think cam Akers coming back this season is a pipe dream uh the, the war horn soundeth and the war daddy returneth um cam Akers there cam Akers. all right tj thank you but like i think it's a pipe dream for him to come back this season that would be crazy but i think more of it is and Mitch, you spoke to this McVeigh's reaction and kind of reading into that a little bit. Like he was, he was all giddy. He's yeah. Like, you know? So I think there were a lot of question marks going forward, but that end of season schedule for Daryl Henderson and the rest of the way, it is juicy. So I think it comes down to, again, the price to acquire. And that's kind of a cop-out answer, but Daryl Henderson, I kind of put him in terms of probability of having a, useful fantasy life beyond 2021 like you said Mitch the equivalent of Jalen Hurts almost with not as high of a ceiling with with not as high of a ceiling of course I want to go back to like the Hurts category of football player the Tua category of football player I think Mitch hammered it with Henderson I I agree a thousand percent in my notes Mitch I had him as you know the RB2 on the Rams next year you know he's a little bit of a delicate flower for me that's not as talented as Akers you know good guy to have on your bench and you know injuries happen but did we get a delicate flower there? <laughs> Is that uh, he, he gets the coach's delicate flower award for sure. You know, so when he's healthy, he's good. When he's not, you know, it's, it's a matter of time before Akers is back. But Danny Dimes, man, I know we were going to touch on him. And we look at the situation that Tua has with all the injuries. And he's still putting up some good fantasy point, points and showing that he could be an NFL quarterback. I think it's the same thing with Danny Dimes, who's had a lot of critics. You know, I don't like the Giants. You know, I'm not a fan of uh, the Clapper. But when you look at this season with all the injuries that they had, you know, Barkley kind of just easing into the season. Then, unfortunately, he got hurt. Sterling Shepard hasn't been able to stay on the field. Evan Ingram still kind of he's like on cruise control coming into the season. Slayton hasn't been able to stay healthy. Kadarius Tony was slow out of the gates, then finally looked awesome. And then he, he crashes and gets hurt. He's got nobody around him, including an O-line that's very suspect. And he's 
keeping the Giants kind of like semi-competitive. You know, they, they just whomped Carolina. I don't know if that's saying much or not, but I think it still surprised us uh, that the Giants could, could look th- that well against them. You know, they they beat the Saints. They, you know, the, other than a couple games, they were outmatched by the Cowboys and the Rams. The, he's played some good football. He's put up some good fantasy points, and he's done that with like having one wide receiver per game as they alternate being healthy. So like, what if, they could put an actual offense around them and get these guys healthy. I, I'm hoping this year we could see Shepard, Tony, Barkley, and maybe some semblance of an O-line together and see what that what he could do. I'll say this about well, Daniel how, Jones. Wait, how, how are we excluding Evan Ingram, the legend? Six receptions in week seven. He might I mentioned not the slow the roll to weeks. those. It, it took a lot to get to those six receptions yeah. out of Ingram. Yeah, And everybody hurt. Yeah, everyone hurt. But I will, I'll say this as a Lions fan. If Daniel Jones was the quarterback for the Lions and they were 0-6, exact same thing was going on, I would actually feel really good about the Lions going into next year. But like you just can't with Jared Goff. So with someone like Daniel Jones, I actually expect him to be the quarterback of the Giants next year. But I think he'll be a quarterback that's on one of the shortest leashes just like Sam Darnold is right now for the Panthers. As to where they will go in the season, he will get all the work in training camp. He'll get the first five weeks. And if they're not doing something, whoever the backup is, uh, I mean, they'll probably be a veteran. Say it's Joe Flack or whatever. I could see the, there's going to be a new coach. I could see the new coach being like, look, you know, we gave this a shot, but enough's enough. But I'm cha- like, I'm I love Daniel that. Jones. He has done. Okay, Dan, go ahead. There's not many good quarterbacks in the National Football League, Mitch. That's if, Daniel, sure. if Daniel Jones, if this is like the low bar for him, you know, the Giants struggles this year with like having nobody healthy around him. You know, he's running the ball. He's making good decisions, you know, run the ball. He's finding their number one receivers when they have them, making them very fantasy relevant. Um, he's where if I'm a head coach coming into that job in New York, I'd be like, all right, I've got myself my quarterback. I need to figure out, you know, how to protect him and keep, you know, actually draft and invest in some receivers that know how to stay healthy and stay on the field. I mean, that's a, that's a frustrating thing, building an organization around guys that cannot stay healthy. They need to figure that out, the Giants organization. And I, I think Joe Judge will be the first one to go, and then they bring in a new coach that builds around Danny Dimes. Here, Mitch, let me ask you, though, to play devil's advocate, why is there that level of uncertainty for you for Jalen Hurts where the Giants are – they're a train wreck too, just as much dysfunction. But why is Daniel Jones in your mind a little bit more of a safer option beyond 2021? Okay, so I'm talking NFL wise. And I hate to say it, but Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback. Jalen Hurts was a second round. Did I say running back? Daniel Jones was a running back, might as well have been. But I thought you said quarterback. I you know I, I was drinking my tea. I was kind of I was saying this your mind. the other day. There are times to where you are talking on a podcast, you say something, and then 10 minutes later, you're like, I have no idea why I said that. This After is one of every those episode, times. Mitch is like, I blacked out. What happened? Oh, exactly. It happens a- constantly. But where am I? What I was saying is Jones just has the draft capital to where an NFL team will give him more, more, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Leeway, leeway, He's got a longer yeah. leash, yeah, a longer leash, leeway than what Jalen Hurts is going to have. That's just how it is. There is a reason why going into the May 
dynasty drafts were like, no, you want to get the first and second round running backs, or you want to get the first round quarterbacks, or you want to get wide receivers a little bit different. But there's reasons why we do that. And it's because they do get the longer leash. I mean, Gardner Minshew got like six games. And why was that? Because he was a sixth round quarterback. Yeah, I, I think Mitch is right on there. And it's, it's, it's plus two for Danny Dimes. You've got the longer leash because management saying, hey, we invested this high pick in him. And, you know, if Gettleman's for for some reason still there as GM, he, his name's on that too. He'd want to keep him. But if they did clean house, I'm not sure. Giants are more patient than most teams. That's their guy. But then also on Sundays, you ask Mitch, you know, why he, he feels that way. If you watch those two teams play and you watch a Giants game and they lose, you're like, you're not blaming Danny Dimes watching those games. You've been watching Danny Dimes keep them in games to the best of their ability. Where you watch those Eagles games and you're like, oh, Jalen, what'd you do on that play? Like, he's just not consistent. You could tell he's still learning on the job and you could see where there'd be uncertainty by management or a coaching staff. Yeah, and I think that's the big issue, people being able to differentiate fantasy from more of the NFL perspective. And Mitch, I know you listen to a lot of NFL-focused pods, not mm -hmm. fantasy and kind of trying to soak that in as much as possible. And I think it's good insight. And then obviously Dan having the coaching background, the playing background, bringing that in. And me, I'm just the pretty face that people tune in to see. Well, that's for sure. It's my, my, my father-in-law, you know, he, he he's a funny guy at times. But he said, John, it's good that you have a podcast. You have the perfect face for it. And I said, oh, Bob, you son of a gun. You, you <laughs> son of a gun. Uh, he hit me with that. He did. Um, but he, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, he didn't know you stream live. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not a big YouTube guy. He's not not tech savvy like the Dynasty Theory team. But yeah, J Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, I know we keep talking about it, but it is if you scroll through Twitter, the, every other tweet is about Jalen Hurts, and people are saying, "Well, it, he's not a bad quarterback," or uh, "They're they'd be dumb to try to replace him with a rookie or bench him this year." I think we or we give too much credit to these NFL organizations and we're going to use Dan's buzzword dysfunction. That is the Eagles I, in, in a press conference. They're talking about fertilizer and Scott's uh, turf, whatever. I, you know, what are you talking about, dude? And like, it's starting to make a little bit of sense. What's going on there in Philadelphia. And I don't think anybody knows what, what they're doing over there, but you know, again, for me, it's not, anti Jalen hurts it's anti Eagles anti-success and maybe looking to approach the position again in 2022 should we move on here or are we gonna talk about Jalen Please. hurts for another I'm hour I'm so sick of talking about Jalen hurts to be honest with you <laughs> it's been about three months since we last real you know talked about him during the offseason there was a lot of a lot of conversations surrounding him okay Mitch you're a contender mm -hmm. and you're making that push uh Question marks beyond 2021, but there is production here at their price. And you can dive into their price a little bit. Would you rather pursue Miles Gaskin from a team that's not contending or James Conner? James Conner. I don't think Miles because Gaskin is ever going to be anything. And at least I know with Conner, I could luck into six points a week because he'll get the end zone more often than not. Okay. And I, I, I think that's fair. Um, but that, that, that um, look at some of the wide receivers here and a lot of them, they are older wide receivers, but there is one and Mitch, you're highlighting it I am. here. So we got to talk about it. We're going out West. We're going to Hollywood. I did it for well, Dan. Well, actually I say out West Hollywood, Florida. My apologies. I know somebody was going to correct me there, 
but Hollywood Brown, uh, he's he's looked good. He's looked very good. And there was the one game where he suffered from the uh, uh, slippery hands there. What uh, Butterfingers, slippery hands. Yep. Jesus same concept there. It all works. We got it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got There's the slippery no hands involved. over there. Holy cow. I need to go to sleep. Uh, so Hollywood Brown, Mitch, you're highlighting his name. So why don't you start? What do you want to say about him? So we all have these wide receivers that we end up hating in Dynasty for whatever reason. And we're just really slow to catch back on when they kind of fumble the first couple of years. Juju is kind of the opposite to where he was good for a couple of years. Now he's awful. But now I'm trying to get him again because everybody hates him so much. I think Hollywood Brown fits that mold is everybody was so against him. Last year, you know, he was supposed to be the stud. It didn't happen. Uh, Was it week one? You know, it just didn't happen because he kept having the drops. But you watched it. Lamar throws to him every single time. Lamar doesn't know what the defense is doing. It's going to Hollywood. And. I can't remember. He had like 375 air yards or something obscene this week. And how does that happen? Lamar throws to him when he's going deep. I mean, it's not, I know everyone loves Bateman, but we can love Bateman, but we could also say Hollywood Brown might be the best wide receiver on that offense. And Lamar trusts him. And that matters so much to me is when I'm looking for these wide receivers to go in. Cause we're not talking about, Devonte Adams, right? We're not talking about Tyreek Hill. We're not talking about those really DK Metcalf, right? We all know they're going to get the targets. When you're looking for these other guys that struggled previously that are going to hit now, I want these guys like Hollywood Brown to where I know the quarterback is going to throw him the ball as much as humanly possible. And I think you make a good point because we all have those preconceived notions and those ideas in our head. And I'm out on Hollywood for Dynasty. Great best ball guy. And I actually had a tweet in June or July. And Dan, this is whenever you and I did the episode, Mitch wasn't available, but it was utilizing DFS and redraft ADP to help us in dynasty. And I tweeted out Hollywood Brown's best ball ADP far surpassed his dynasty. And yeah, I get it. You don't have to set your lineup in, in best ball, but there was that discrepancy. And now I, I think people are trying to catch on to his value, but we're still getting questions. Would you move a late first for Hollywood Brown? You're hoping that late first turns into Hollywood <laughs> right? Brown at this point. And I was so anti Hollywood. You go back to last off season, 2020. I was going nuts. I Dan and I had to be pulled apart uh, virtually here. So it's not like, Oh, you know, I, I always knew Hollywood was the guy I, I was against him. And he has looked tremendous. And I think it should instill confidence in us as fantasy managers that he had, what, three or four drops that one game, but it didn't stop Lamar from looking his way. Whereas uh, I'm trying to think of some other teams where a player might drop when it's like, I'm not looking his way anymore. MVP Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. You That's piss out. Aaron off. You're on his bad side. Yeah, uh, he hasn't so stopped going. He hasn't stopped going back to Hollywood Brown. And, and I love right. your, your, you know, best ball take because, yeah, yeah, he does fit that best ball description of this deep guy that, you know, you don't have to start set your lineups. But going back to, you know, the 50 plus best ball drafts I did, there were some talented guys in that range where, again, Hollywood was going before them. And 
it's it's coming too. You know, he's risen from the ashes like the Undertaker, just at a lot younger age, which is good for a dynasty. Um, yeah, there are some occasional, you know, drops or mental lapses that will be discussed as as we go, but he does seem to be on the rise. I think my question there is, will they be as pass heavy a year from now when Dobbins returns and if they improve that O-line? So, that you know, to me, this has the feel of a smart offensive coordinator that knows that offensive line is struggling and they've evolved that passing game. Andrews is playing at a high level when Bateman has been out there and, and healthy. He does look good. Yeah. I, I agree with Mitch. You know, Holly was the, you know, the best receiver on that team right now, but you know, a year from now, those factors come in and Bateman is going to be a year better. I still think Hollywood's going to be good based on what we're seeing, but you know, does that volume tick down again if the run game's better, but even look at like some of their games, they gave up, 33 points against the Raiders, 35 against the Chiefs, 25 against the Colts. So not necessarily all high flying offenses, 41 against the Ravens or against Ravens. Raiders. I told, I told you guys, I got to sleep against the Bengals. Come on, Jordan, finish strong. I know. I, I know. Fourth quarter, I know. Michael. I know. I know. All right. Can I call a timeout? No, no timeouts here. So against the Bengals, they give 41 points. That's certainly helping this passing offense. So not only are they giving up points in half their games this season, they are working with an offensive line that wasn't as good as I think a lot of people expected. But then by necessity, Grandpa Bell and Murray are out there running the ball. You have Tyson Williams that they hate for one reason or another. Maybe it is pass pro that Dan preaches about all the time. But you expected Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins to be that nice one-two punch, and now that's not there. So. This isn't your maybe, typical Baltimore team. Right, exactly. So maybe, like you said, can we expect this in 2022? So maybe it's buy Hollywood now, reap the benefits, and look to move him potentially in the offseason, if that's a concern of yours. So but I, I but I think I think looking at the the values for these players, you know, would you guys pay a late 2022 first in Superflex for Hollywood Brown? Yes. In a start heartbeat. start three wide yep. receiver. So I'm, I'm there with that um, and kind of tying this back to the value vulture that I mentioned earlier. Are there any guys on this list that, that we're looking at here that even if you're contending, you're like, I kind of want to move him and Mitch, your eyes lit up there. You have Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is a wide receiver. I don't want on any team ever. Like we always like to say best ball wide receiver, right? I mean, Lockett is the definition of a best ball wide receiver. You just, he's going to have three good games during the year. You don't know when they're going to be. They're going to be amazingly great games, but then we won't hear a thing from him. Okay. And, so realistically, what can you do with him? Like, you're not, you can't move him to a team that's rebuilding. Do you think you could pull, like, or would you want to? I would take a late second. But, or what about like Emmanuel Sanders in a third? Would you do that? I would take Manny. Yeah. You would take a late a, second for Lockett? Yeah. Why not? He's too cheap. He can barely even be on your starting roster. I mean, honestly, you can't start him right now. He still helps you buy weeks. He, I mean, it doesn't help that Geno's there right now. I was going to say, how much of that is Danny Amendola? I mean, you could find Lockett's points on the waiver wire. Not over the course of the season with Russ. I agree with you not wanting him, Mitch. I just think that late second is 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 your frustration, your passion is coming out. Your emotion, you're leading with your emotions here, Mitchell. Talk to him, John. Well, I, I don't know. He's if being I can, irrational. I I don't, is he though? Is he? So Late what I'm second? hearing there, what Late I'm second. hearing, Dan, what I'm hearing is, even if you're a contender and Lockett's not really producing, 
based on the price tag you're probably putting on him, you're stuck with him, right? Like, I, I don't think you're going to successfully move him right now. I could get an early second for Tyler Lockett, probably. You easy. think you, you think you could? I don't think you could. Second? Especially, do you, is that early second? Russ coming is coming forward? back, guys. Russ is coming back. You He's give been, me Hunter Renfro. I will take him. I know. I will take Dust over Lockett. Dust statement there. That's a bold statement. Um, and I know just a few weeks ago we did the the midseason push and putting the contender spin on it. But that's kind of what people are looking at right now. It's still mm-hmm. from the contender lens, because if you're rebuilding like my rebuilding teams, I'm being very patient with them at this point. I've made some moves. I'm like, ah, I'm going to cash out on this guy. But again, based on the volume of leagues, I think I can kind of make those uh, premature decisions, if you will, at times. But for the most part, I think you can be a little bit more patient. Whereas if you're a contender, Start looking at your standings. Start looking at the all play. Sticky board is back. Sticky board is amazing. And it's yes. not. Ah, what's the link? We should share Join it in the Discord. Discord. We'll have it in the in the links. It's, it's just... not like stickyboard.com. It's like sticky Z board. But anyway, it's very similar to Dynasty Planet, which is another great resource we've talked about. But this one, it shows you any outstanding trades. So you don't leave them hanging out there Sunday morning. Somebody gets injured. So Dan now hits accept. And I'm like, what the frick, man? What are you doing, Dan? Um, it tells you your all play percentage, which I think is incredible. We talked about that in the contender episode a few weeks ago. But as a, as a contender, these are the players. It's like, do I get the value? Do I cash out? Do I ride them off into the sunset? Cordero Patterson, he's a guy. I'm riding him into the sunset, I think. What am I going to move him for? A second? at best and there's so much uncertainty there so give me the points i think that's kind of where i am with a lot of these guys if i'm contending and i have somebody on the back end of my bench uh cj uzoma my man the only tight end with two say it with me two tight end one the tight end one for a week the only one with two of them this year uh like, what are you cashing out on these guys for? Like, I, I just think, I think uh, you're... this is not the Halloween episode, Brett so in the chat. <laughs> I like John's costume. This is a terrifying mask. Yes. Um, uh, I wish I was this? on, I wish I was on Uzama a little bit earlier there. You know, I'm coming back around on him just in that offense. I think he's in a really good situation. He's healthy. He's playing well. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to move on him. I look at the tight end list you gave JB is more of a contender's list. I'd go after any of these guys. I think Dalton Schultz is legit. You know, a question if Kellen Moore leaves in the future for a, for a head coaching job or something, you know, yep. will that impact Dallas down the road? But that'll be a conversation for another show. Um, Kelsey's going strong. The Chiefs, not so much. But the, the guy I like most on this list here is Zach Ertz. I think he is at the perfect perfect landing spot to, to wrap up his career. I could see the Cardinals extending him. I think he looked really good with a whole one week of practice under his belt. And I don't think that's a fluke. We talk about the dysfunction in Philadelphia. I think he's a tough guy. He separates. He still gets open. I think there's still mileage there. And there's something about that Arizona offense. Like, I think this is an organization that's trending in the right direction. As Did you see, see the yards after catch? They call uh, him no yak, Zach. He, he had so like much. 40 yards after the catch in that Against for uh, guys, his first game in Arizona, switch teams, and all of a sudden he's good again. It's really AJ Green is good in this offense, guys. AJ Green is relevant to, to a degree, but tight end position, value the position with that spread offense, he could separate and get open. I think he's going to continue to get open for the rest of the year. 
Maybe Tyler Lockett could go there and be good. Kyler can make anybody good. Like my one big take over the first eight weeks of the season, Kyler Murray is probably going to be the quarterback one. By the time the year is over in Dynasty going into next year, he'll be the quarterback one. I think it's more than fair. I, I wouldn't argue with you, but I think there's like six that are really close together I think at this point. He is going to be the quarterback one, though. That's the thing. I think he is going to separate himself from the other quarterbacks. And this, I'm not hating on Mahomes. I love Mahomes. I, this is nothing against him. It's just how good Kyler Murray is at fantasy football. And he's not even running that much this year. And he's still amazing. Like, as long as he could stay healthy, I'm, he is definitely going to be my quarterback one. And you guys spoke to, Something I want to just hit on real quick. It's going off a little tangent, but you were saying that how on your rebuilding teams, you're being a little bit more patient. I had, I talked to you guys about this trade. I had Trevor Lawrence and I had Bateman. I was offered Kyler Murray. I am like, oh, in seven, I have no ch- chance of doing anything. I'm going to get the one-on-one. I took Kyler Murray in a heartbeat. Why? Because I think Kyler Murray is going to have that huge value bump. Like I still love Trevor Lawrence. I still like Bateman, but I think Kyler is just going to jump up that much. And I think you could do that in rebuilds. You don't have to just be like, no, these guys are young. I'm going to keep them on my team. If you see someone that you could go out that's going to be elite, make that trade. Really quick uh, there. Again, it's just not even plugging us, but the discord is filled with, I think we up to 245 folks. One of them might be the, uh, the streaming bot I threw in there. What was his name? What was that? Uh, the bot's name? Oh, I had no idea. I'm like, who invited this? Craig. It was Craig. It was, it was Craig. It was Craig. So we have 244 people in there and Craig, the random streaming bot. But uh, a, a lot of smart people, a lot of great conversations. And somebody posted in there today. They were like, I turned A into B, C, D, and E. And we're all like, well, share. Like, what did you do there? It was a rebuilding team that made a move for DeAndre Hopkins. And it's it's a dangerous game because it doesn't always pan out. But then the next week they flipped DeAndre Hopkins for plenty more. And we were like, that a tremendous move. But that's a good point. You know, a lot of people would say, Well, you're rebuilding. Don't move Trevor Lawrence and Rashad Bateman. But because you have that mindset, will it play out? We'll see. I hope for your sake, Mitch, it plays out. But I think there's different ways to go about it. And even though you might be rebuilding, even though you might be rebuilding, there's ways to get there and you can be patient. You can try to really navigate through your league with, with churn and burn, get these trades done, flip assets. If you believe your league is built that way. Uh, Any other players here, this list, not on the list that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of my rosters and even ones where I'm five and two, there's a guy I'm like, maybe I do look to move him, you know, just throw names out there. Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Thielen, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Lockett, AJ Green, uh, like the old boring veterans, but it's like, they could help me now, but I'll never get value in return. So it's finding that balance between the value and the hopeful championship. Take us home, JB. Take us home. All right. Before we get to the final thoughts, I do have one more question. And this is another one that was one running wild on, on Twitter. Who is the more valuable quarterback to their team? Patrick Mahomes or Derrick Henry? Because I, I don't know after this week, right? Like, I mean, uh, that was a very strong take. I mean, if Kyle Pitts is a tight end, Derrick Henry might as well be a quarterback. 
Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, there, there's I trouble in Kansas sure. City. I'll say that for sure. Like we're in the middle of a fantasy football season and we get these, you know, I, I know it's supposed to be hot takey and get clicks and get people to talk about it like we're doing right now. But I'm focused on winning and we're getting this crap dragged in. Who invented zero running back back in like 1943? Who invented this? Who invented that? I'm winning championships. I don't have time for this. Final thoughts. I should have saved that for my final thought. But anyway, Dan, what do you got here? What is this? 139 episodes. 139, baby. Sweet. Hey, final thoughts here tonight. A little more focus now on how teams are handling coming off the bye weeks, traveling across the country as I evaluate the coach and staffs, which teams are sinking versus finishing strong. You know, and some of this is, hey, we're looking to make that strong push here. You, you know, the second half of the season, some of it's some DFS frustration spilling over, but really grinding a little bit deeper, looking at those things, trying to get ahead of 2022 and finishing strong. And as you said, JB, winning here in 2021. Really good point there. And before I turn it over to Mitch, Mitch, I'm not going to forget your final thought this time because I skipped you last yeah, time. Yeah, I believe you. I, I, I swear, I promise. <laughs> but paying attention to what teams do off their buys, music to Mitch's ears, Michael Carter, his usage after their bye week skyrocketed. And, you know, the, the amount of the targets and his usage in the running game. So especially these teams that aren't performing, how are they handling those younger assets I'm interested to see what the Broncos eventually do with that backfield. And if it goes more towards Javante Williams, that was a heated conversation in the discord. And Mitch had to troll me a little bit like, Oh, maybe this isn't sophisticated enough for JB. And I, I you knew actually I, said that I didn't say sophisticated. I would have never said that. I, I, I'll go, I didn't. All right, you Mitch, did. give us the final thoughts. Uh, here. I got to take anyways, my night quill and go to bed. John's all frustrated here, but I will say as this is a little hot takey, but as the resident best ball pro, the one who has two DraftKings millionaire lineups in the best ball that are in first place. And guess what? They're the only two that I drafted. Every wide receiver is a best ball wide receiver. That's all that I want to say. It's all I care about. Every single one is a best ball wide receiver. There isn't a difference between Hollywood and Devon Adams. They're all the same. Sorry. That was a little. No, that's fine. That was a little much. And can, I do have a final thought. Everybody's finally catching up on my old man, Brandon Bolden. <laughs> go, go read a waiver wire article. Brandon Bolden is near the top of that list after Kenneth Gainwell. Did you notice I dropped him in one of our leagues? Just so you know, that happened. Were, were we co-manage? Uh huh. You dropped him. You might want to check because I might have just gone and picked him right back up. <laughs> anyway, uh. So every other week, we'll be back hitting you with a new episode. The Dynasty Theory merchandise. Dan, why don't you show that off for a second? That is now 35% off through Halloween. These savings are super scary. I just thought of that. Halloween, scary savings. You can't have one without the other. Uh, follow the show on Twitter, at Dynasty Theory FF. Hit us up for the link for the Discord. Absolutely free. And if you want to support the show, uh, the dynasty theory patreon five bucks a month as you can see on the screen there links in the episode description just pass up on one of those venti white chocolate mochas from starbucks just one and throw it you know towards a a good cause aka the dynasty theory team all right we will see everybody in two weeks for mick Sorensen, dan lamagna i'm john bauer have a great night